Hello. Hello, sir. How are you? How's life? I'm doing doing well. How are you? Ah, doing well, all considered. <laughs> you know awesome. how it is. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, I know how it is. Yeah. I see the I see the boys are in the background. There Roscoe. they are. Yeah. Oh, there. Who's be, is there another guy there? Ah, yeah, there is actually. Uh, that one. Awesome. Uh, that's me. I'm I'm watching from oh, backstage. Oh, that's, uh, that's the one. That's the one. All yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me that in the last podcast. Yeah. Well, this is this is a music one, so we're not going to be delving into OCD. People will be like, right. delighted. If I'm sure you're you even off of talking about OCD. Oh, I'm, well, I'm more than happy to talk about music for a while. So that's well. Yeah. Well, let's go. We can talk about whatever you want. I don't. I don't really <laughs> mind actually. You know. So do you, do you remember like? Uh, do you remember the first album that you kind of got that was like, oh shit, man, it just kind of changed your, uh, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but you know, it had an impact on you. Uh, yeah, there was, there was a few. I, I was a big radio guy as a kid. I right. mean, I was, I was the guy that would literally be there with the pause button, the record <laughs> buttons were, and I was waiting for a new song and then I would, I would record, I had my, my cassettes of just favorite songs and everything. So right. The first influential thing for me was radio. I mean, that was, I was, there was always a radio on in my room. The thing I wanted more than anything as a kid was a boom box. So I could, I could have my own radio and record things. And then there were a couple of, of my very first albums were, were so <laughs> across the board. I mean, there was, there was um, Rat. You know, right wow uh, was it out of the cellar i think it was wow. called. round and round was on there <laughs> that was one of the first albums i had the uh, twisted sister was a massive favorite of mine when i was right. in seventh and eighth grade you know we're not gonna take it <laughs> stay stay hungry was the album and that that was just you know amazing yeah but then you know, I'd be listening to radio too, which wasn't playing as much of that. And, uh, you know, uh, and I remember winning the uh, Color by Numbers, the first Culture Club album that came out. And cool. I'll tell you, you listen to some of that. The woman who sings background to Boy George on right. that album, her voice is just power. I mean, yeah. there's there's a song called Black Money and she is belting it out behind him <laughs> on you know singing do you deal in black money it, it, it it's it's incredible yeah. just incredible to listen to his voice is very different now like he's got this now, kind of yeah. more baritone kind of i guess yeah. kind of you could say the same what happened with bowie remember bowie had a very high-pitched voice and then as he got into the late mm -hmm. early 70s let's late 70s he got that kind of more kind of crudery kind of mm -hmm. tone if you know what i mean yeah. And then um, going into high school, Night Ranger. I've never heard of Night Ranger. Right. <laughs> you got to tell me. Uh, you might know, like, here. Sister Christian, know the time. Has no. Have you ever heard that song, Sister no. Christian? That was probably their most famous song. Okay. So they had, they had a bunch of albums in the, uh, in the you know, 80s. Yeah. They were kind of your 80s rock band, but pre-hair band so it was kind of the intro before you get poison and cinderella and all the other stuff you know yeah. that, that kind of came out bon jovi everything like that night ranger was there but then i was in high school band mm. and all 
I played trombone. So right behind me was, was the percussion. And all of them were listening to this band called Rush. And finally I said, just, and you know, let me, anybody got a cassette I could borrow or something so I could listen to it. Yeah. And one guy had a couple, he had, he had just gotten some CDs. So he gave me his cassettes. I didn't have a CD player yet. There was, you know, that was coming, but, uh, and I remember listening to like Farewell to Kings and, uh, you know, Fly by Night and just, and I was hooked. I was like, this is incredible. And then I remember, you know, back when MTV actually played music and, mm. and really was music TV, you could watch Rush videos on MTV when it started. Wow. You know, they would have stuff from Exit Stage Left on there and, right. and Tom Sawyer and Spirit of Radio. And they even played the Grace Under Pressure Rush concert on MTV one year. I remember Mad. seeing that, you know. And, and I remember hearing Getty sing the first time you think the voice on this guy, <laughs> strange, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, how it does is. the guy sing like that? Yeah. Um, and, and yet I couldn't turn it off. I, not that I wanted to, I mean, I wasn't, I did not like it. I just, mm. it wasn't at the time, the music that I had hugely been listening to, but I never turned it off. And then the big money video came out. They were on the monopoly board and all at the same time as when I got these cassettes and I was like, I linked it together. Oh, that's them. Ah, ah okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was, I was really hooked at that point. And now, you know, 30, Rush concerts later in my career and going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Rush and everything. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I just became uh, a massive, massive fan. That's so badass. It, it, I had a similar thing when, when I first heard Getty's voice. It's kind of like, I'm like, do I like this? I'm not sure. And then it, yeah. it, it kind of took me a while, actually. And everyone mm -hmm. that everyone that I, I know, I go, you got to listen to Rush. It's like that thing, you know, you get into Rush and you tell everyone to listen to Rush. It's like that. Like that movie. Remember that movie that your man Jason Siegel did? Oh, Paul Rudd and Jason. I love that, you, man. Yeah. 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 That was just so like, <laughs> like you could tell they genuinely loved Rush. Yeah. <laughs> like Rush are playing at the end of it. It's like that kind of thing. You know, you're telling them, I got to hear Rush, man. You got to. I told all of my friends, you got to listen to Rush, but they haven't listened yet. They're lost, yeah. hey. They're lost. They're lost. Their what's loss, your what, totally. what's your favorite Rush record? I know that's a, that's a oh, such a hard question because there's a lot of ones. It, I, Hemispheres is incredible. Oh, yeah. I think from Brilliant. beginning to end, it's just solid all the way through. And then I could also go to Permanent Waves and listen to Natural Science all day long. And the live version of Xanadu on Exit Stage Left, I think is Savage. the greatest live performance ever recorded <laughs> that I've ever heard. It's just, Savage. it's just solid. Yeah. It's, it's so tight to listen to those guys playing that live there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What was, how was it like seeing them live? It must have been amazing. Oh, the first time I remember was at a place called Alpine Valley. It's actually where, unfortunately, <laughs> Steve Ray Vaughan, that's where he died, actually, really? after his show. Yeah, wow. it's in Wisconsin, and it's a ski resort. And Steve Ray Vaughan, it was in a helicopter. They took off, but it was it was pretty oh, foggy, right, and they, yeah. hit one of the, they hit one of the ski lines. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, really tragic. But I remember being on, on the lawn and just having a great time with – you know, 30,000 other people going nuts uh, <laughs> about it. And then 
I would just travel and go see them at other places. And it was fun to sometimes I go by myself. There was a couple of shows that just went alone. One, I, I got to sneak up to the front row actually for one of the shows. So I was <laughs> right in front of Alex. It was, it was amazing <laughs> to be wow, right there too. That's yeah. So cool. Yeah. You're lucky. Cause a lot of bands only kind of like the last few years, no, I'll say a few years, maybe 10, 15 ish years, kind of bands have started to come to Ireland more like this. They came, <laughs> but it was, sporadic you know if you didn't catch yeah. rush one year you weren't going to catch them two months down the line whereas you know in america yeah. you could you could get catch them if you didn't miss them in north carolina or wherever like that you know what i mean sure. but yeah. uh but but the thing that always annoyed me with the whole rush thing is the critics like they're so snooty towards rush i think now that neil is dead they're like oh no we we like rush yeah. now you know that, that yeah, yeah. pisses me off man i i agree it was it was always unfortunate that uh, they were kind of never taken all that seriously mm. and yet i think in terms of the number of gold albums that a band has it's you know it's in the top five are elvis the beatles yeah. the rolling stones rush and oh, i forget who else it is but but it's like here's here's a band that has done more in music than almost any other band ever has yeah. with with almost zero controversy or anything you know in yeah. in their history but they were seen as sci-fi or things of that nature, or uh, maybe their their lyrics were a little too kind of ethereal, <laughs> yeah. no way out there kinds yeah. of things. But that's the stuff I like. I love Yes too. You know, to to go and watch Yes play. Yeah. Although you know, I want I want the original Yes. I want all of them back together. Not Wakeman. not this separated kind of uh, I don't talk to you anymore and now we got a new singer yeah there's a guy who to this day sings the way he sang back then John yeah. Anderson's voice yeah. is still <laughs> in, incredible to they're, listen they're, to they're to this a day. badass band that's actually funny you said that I mean, that's what I was thinking to ask you because I was listening to The Who today and I hate bands when there's like two members left and they're still playing and they're like called The Who. Like that just yeah. annoys me. It's like, dude, that's like if fucking Rush got back together and got a jazz drummer. You know, it's not Rush. <laughs> no. The only one you could say that kind of got away with that was Fleetwood Mac. Like Fleetwood Mac, you know, had Peter Green and then they got into with Lindsay and all them and they became like, mm -hmm. that's Fleetwood Mac to people now. It's not Peter Green, yeah. which is odd. But like, I don't want to see Nirvana with a different drummer, or, sorry, singer. Or, you know, to me, it's yeah. just, it, even if you write all the songs, there's still, you know, everyone makes up a part, I think. Yeah. You know, I think of a band that probably did that was Heart. You know, Anne and Nancy, Maybe really, I think too many people are, are Heart. And yeah, yeah. Then yeah. there's who's ever playing with them at that time and, and what yeah. that album is but they probably define who heart is more yeah. than than you would typically think of the band that was true. true yeah when i think of heart i just think the two of them that mm -hmm. that that's all i remember we were talking about the last time that led zeppelin tribute that they done unbelievable that oh was incredible just, just wow. incredible to watch the two of, yeah that shivers was, that down your spine listen to that shit but it was like yeah. it's funny it, because Pink Floyd were out there. I like Pink Floyd. I love Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. But it was okay. It was cool to like Dark Side of the Moon, but it wasn't cool to like 2112. Like, that, that, I just, I, critics just annoy me, man, because then it's like 10 years later, they get it. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, now we get it. It's like, oh, now you mm -hmm. can like it. And it's like, uh, and just back to the r Rush, I always felt that 
they didn't really didn't need critics though because their music was kind of so strong that it just held up on its own and, and I think if something's good enough it will always last it will always last yeah I regret not that I won't live to be over 120 so that I could be there on the New Year's Day of 2112 to actually play the full recording all the way through. I'm hoping some DJ dusted off somewhere in 2112 and says, oh, let's, let's play this to see what they were thinking about us back in the 1970s. You know? Hey, the way technology is going, you might be still alive. Some robotic yeah, who body. Knows? Maybe or uh, some uh, nanobots creepy... or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I love 2012. 20, I always say it wrong. 2112. I think that's probably my favorite record. of. Oh, I know it's so, mm-hmm. it's like, cliche thing to say but I just love it I love the sound of it as well like that kind of the dry-ish drum sound and yeah I love it that's a, that's a, just a badass the overture is just savage man to me yeah yeah there's some great drumming and yeah, he's just running through some of the, those those backbeats are incredible but, and he was and he was so like they're so humble you know like a lot of bands you know you see that are rock bands and quite average rock bands they're so egotistical and rush all three of them were brilliant at what they did you know like i yeah. don't think i don't think alex gets enough credit as a guitar player i was just going to say that you know there's the only unfortunate thing i think about rush is the mm. fact that you know, neil by far you know the greatest drummer <laughs> as far as i'm concerned that i've ever i've ever heard and Getty because he's like balancing on one foot while the other foot is paying the bass puddles. He's, he's hitting the neck of the bass hard enough to get a sound out of it. He's playing keyboards with the other end and he's singing all at the same time yeah. just to be that talented and virtuoso. But you look at, you look at a, a chord progression for most rock songs and it's three, four or five chords at the most. And then you look at a Rush song, it's 27 <laughs> chords uh, that you'll be playing throughout this song. Uh, yeah. Just, I, so I agree. Alex has never gotten the the respect that he, he deserves. Yeah. I, I, I always think, of the, why don't they do music? I don't mean it's Rush, but like they don't put out music. Alex doesn't put out music and Getty doesn't put out music. Maybe they will eventually. Getty did but... one solo album called My Favorite Headache. And that was a Alex... long time ago, was it? Yeah, it was. And Alex did uh, one solo album as well, too. Uh, yeah. I next year. Mm-hmm. What's the Alex one like? Uh, I like it. It's really good. It's it's very interesting. I mean, there's there's some almost kind of comical types of tunes on there where uh you know it's like his his wife is yelling at him he's like shut up <laughs> shut up <laughs> and then he just starts jamming the guitar and everything brilliant. so the album's called victor it's uh you'll have to check it out oh, let's check it out let's check. Yeah. i love that i love that docu- I documentary it. they did on them a few years ago that was a cool yeah was yeah a great that documentary. was that was cool and i think for a lot of people also cleared up a bunch of stuff you know like yeah it was it was obviously tragic with Neil dying, but I'm so glad that nobody knew Neil was dying because, yeah, yeah. you know, there would have been Rush fans out there who would have wanted to go to his house and put candles on his driveway. It's like nothing would have angered Neil more than, yeah. than something like that, right? Yeah. So I Neil died the way he wanted to die in and just doing what he wanted to do the way he wanted in total obscurity as he tried to live his life outside of being the greatest drummer in the world. Yeah. Uh, he, he wanted, just look at the way he traveled for the tour. He'd get on his motorcycle and he'd stay at crappy motels and he'd 
go eat at diners every night and he'd sit out on the porch of his room and he'd read a book and you know drink a Macallan and have a cigarette. That's yeah. that's all he wanted. And good good on you. Good yeah. on you, Neil. You you lived the way you wanted and you died the way you wanted. Exactly. To. Did you read his books? I haven't read his books now. Yes. So I don't are they, are they good? Yeah, they are. They're an interesting kind of intro into him. And I think the way that he was able to share with people the information about him, mm. but in a way that he wasn't intimidated by it, you know, to to listen to him and also to Getty and Alex talk about him, the he was so almost embarrassed when someone right. would come up to him and say, oh, you're the greatest drummer ever and everything. And, and one thing that I remember Neil saying is that my meeting somebody isn't an even playing field because they yeah. know more about me than I know about them. That's so true, isn't it? And that intimidated him. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's kind of, yeah, it, it, it's weird. Imagine like you just met someone and knew everything about you and you're like, well, right. not, not everything, but you know everything on the periphery of what you are. You're like, well, it, it, mm -hmm. there's something kind of odd about that, you know, that kind of, Especially nowadays, we can know everything nearly about everyone. And I think that's something that I think is missing in music is the anonymity of like, you know, there was a kind of cool thing with Bowie about who he was or what he did. But now we just know everything about every, you know, everyone posts everything on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. There's no kind of mystery and i that's what i loved about rock music there was that kind of mystery you know you're trying to figure out stuff and so uh, even if you're completely wrong there was that kind of like oh, i wonder what does he think this or does, you know it's just i i think that's missing from music personally yeah it, it's interesting yeah. one of my one of my buddies says i'm a slot celebrity i'm really well known in the ocd world uh, right and and not anywhere else which is fine by me believe me i'm, I'm okay with no paparazzi yeah. <laughs> showing up my yeah. house but even in that ocd world people will will come up to me like i know them and they'll go oh yeah you did this and because they've been to my talks and everything and they almost assume that i remember seeing them in the audience when i've usually right. had a spotlight in my face and i can't even see the audience most of the time that i'm talking you know right. or or it's like this maybe and it's on zoom and everyone's this big uh when you have everybody and so it it, it can be weird even in that situation when mm. someone comes up to you and says that they know you and don't you remember me and i'm kind of like oh, boy, I'm, I'm sorry. I, and now I feel a little bad. I, I really apologize. I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. we, you might have asked one question 10 years ago at a talk I did. And yeah. I, I'm sorry that I just don't, I don't remember. And that's the weird thing with OCD, you know, you have to kind of tread lightly because someone might have OCD be kind of freaking out about that. Like, oh, they don't like me because I'm this, yeah. you know, it's like a full on thing. Like, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, fame is. Uh, I was talking about fame. With my brother today. You know, we we're just talking about like we're into like UFC, and we we're just saying he was in a Conor McGregor can't go anywhere. And I said, but that's the kind of price you pay. You're making a deal. It's like I get all this money and all this attention, and this is the crappiness on the other side of it, which is awful. But yeah, I th I think it 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 comes with the territory. You know, you, you, you yeah. I mean, I grew up in Chicago, so if Michael Jordan wanted to go shop at a store, they would have to clear the store out and put security guards at the front of it and bring him in the really? back. And if they had shades, they'd put it down just so he could shop, right? Because he couldn't go anywhere in Chicago without people just mobbing him for autographs and pictures and yeah. and everything. Yeah. And 
yeah, I'm kind of glad not to have that kind of life. I'm glad God, to be anonymous. That'd be creepy. Did you watch that documentary, The Last Act? I did. That I was, loved that it. That was a good one. <gasps> That was a good one, yeah. My God, he comes across as a sociopath, but I do, I still, I, <laughs> like, it was like some guy said to him, hey, Michael, and I knew I was going to get him at that. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Everything was like about getting me. I was like, geez, Michael, yeah. calm down. But I suppose, yeah, he's like a genius basketball player. Like, he made, like I love yeah. basketball. Yeah. Did yeah, you see him play? You look at, what was that? Did you see him play? Have you seen him I play? Did. Yeah. Oh, man, what was that like? That was great. I mean, just, you know, it was, it was an interesting, fun time to be living in Chicago when all of that was going on. Yeah. Right. In the yeah. Pumpkins, Smashing Pumpkins were Chicago. They were huge back Their in the day. Chicago band, yeah. Did you see them yeah. live? I never, I've never seen the Pumpkins. No, really? I never did. Mm -mm. Wow. You know, part of it was at the time being in graduate school, uh, you just, you had no money to right. go to concerts really in, right. <laughs> at those times of your life when, or, or on a postdoc when I was excited cause my, my salary was, was going to just break $20,000. You know? okay. <laughs> I had to buy okay. my own food and pay rent and all that. It was like, yeah. Ah, car payment, all those things. Yeah. I'm lucky if I'm scraping by concerts were just for a couple of years. Uh, not really in that. And if I was going to go to one, it was going to be a Rush concert. So that's what <laughs> yeah. I was going to spend the money on was a Rush concert more, yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, Jimmy Chamberlain actually kind of reminds me of of Neil in that kind of ambitious -y, You know, he's got that jazz style. Of I actually had breakfast with him once before a few years ago. So Did you? Like, yeah, really? me and my... He was, he, had, he was involved with this company where it was like a, like a tech company. And he came to Ireland yeah. and one of my friends who's a drummer, he's a drummer of the Frames, <clears throat> He knew Jimmy and he said, I, I was going to the talk. He said, I'll come with you. And we seen Jimmy. We we're like, hey, and we had breakfast with him. We we're talking about stuff. And it was quite cool. Was quite, That's like he, awesome. Yeah, he was just saying he never played to a click track and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you mm -hmm. never played to click. He was like, no, just fucking bashing. Yeah. And I was like, man. Because, you, <laughs> you know, just talking to those guys, you just learn so much in five minutes than you would yeah. in anything. And they're humble. They're, ne they're never, I find people who are like the best at things are, you know, they're quite, you know, humble, and they're not like I'm the greatest thing that ever lived. Like, right. You know, like Kanye West. I mean, another Chicago guy. I like Kanye, but you don't mm. need to tell everyone you're a genius for them. You know, that that's where you kind of lose me. You're like, come on, bro, come on. You know. Yeah, when you have to announce how good you are to people, you're probably not that good. <laughs> that's that's how I've always looked at it. Yeah. So so apart from Rush, who else? Yeah. Who else? Who else tickled your fancy? Uh, Fuel was a big. I loved fuel. Right. Uh, you know, I, I actually, one of the best concerts I ever went to mm. was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> Sounds good. And it was sloth opened up for everybody, <laughs> which they were, they were really great. I'd never oh, heard of them before. But they were great. They yeah. were great. Bought their album. Then Revis, who is one of my top five favorite bands in the world that no one's ever heard of. Uh, I, I guilty. So, I've never heard of them. Sorry. So uh, Revis did a song called Caught in the Rain and it was on the Daredevil soundtrack. Uh, oh. From, but they are R-E-V-I-S. And yeah. to this day, if I'm going to go test out like new speakers or something, that's the CD that I bring with me 
to listen to in the store to test out what I want. It is one of the best recorded albums and engineered albums I've ever heard. Whoa, I got to check that out. Who who produced yeah. it? Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I don't even know. It's okay. But check out Revis, R-E-V-I-S. And what type mm -hmm. of music? Is it like rock, hard rock? They were kind of in the fuel mindset as okay. well. Not not hard rock but not grunge either kind yeah. of that alternative kind of in the middle experience i would mm -hmm. i would put them and then it was fuel so to see revis and fuel in the same show was was great revis had just come off of opening from evanescence on evanescence's okay. world tour right and then uh fuel was doing a pretty big show but they were stopping at some smaller venues as well too so they came into grand rapids and did right. did their show there and uh, man that was that was a blast and then i i'm always one who hangs out afterwards uh, i i like to collect autographs All more right. than anything i just think it's fun some people do it some people don't you know and and believe me i'm not one of those chasing you down the down the runway kind of thing people but if if you know i stand there and i'm just very quiet about it yeah. and i have my you know my cd or my pen and and I've actually been very fortunate. A lot of people, I think, have respected the fact that I'm not getting in their space at all. That yeah. I'm just, I'm around. And if they want to come up to me, they're more than welcome to. And that night, uh, Fuel and Revis, they were just, they were hanging out outside their tour bus. And after everyone else left, I was there. And we all started talking. And, and there was this club next door. And they're like, hey, just come with us and hang out. And I spent an entire night with those wow. guys just hanging out at a bar and talking about music and touring and what they've learned on the road and and it, it was a great time it oh, was cool, and, and just to see the down-to-earthness you know once they let that persona go and everything just to have a really cool discussion with all of them about their musical influences mm. and where they're from and and how they got to where they are today it was it was a really neat really yeah. neat night. Well, it's hard. It's kind of hard for them because, you know, everyone kind of wants something off them. You know, they're. Uh, yeah. Right. So yeah. It's, and it's, I, I, I don't really, other than a, an autograph on my CD, I don't really want anything yeah. from you. If, if you want to share things, maybe yeah. that's where being a psychologist comes in. Play, maybe, you know? If you want to share, I'm here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I could have actually, yeah. Uh, there was a there was a David David boy he's in my head. Uh, Brian Wilson had a concert on a few years ago in the mm. Royal Albert Hall. It was like a, it was um, a premiere of this this piece he did called that Lucky Old Son, where the, the the Royal Festival Hall commissioned him to make a piece. It was just after Smile came out. Uh, the Brian Wilson Smile, sorry. And um, me and my friend were dancing like lunatics up in the corner, and uh, this girl comes running up to us afterwards. And she's like, you're the guys that were dancing in the corner. I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh, she's kind of hot. And uh, <laughs> then the guy from Brian Wilson's band comes looking at us and he comes walking. I'm like, what the hell is this guy come for? It's his wife. It's his wife. Oh. And I'm like, dude, we're not trying to hit your wife, man. We're just like, you know, we're just yeah. chatting. And, and we start talking about Brian Wilson and this and that. And I said, don't worry, we're not like the crazy dudes that go around with Hawaiian shirts and stuff like that. And they were like, do you want to come back and meet Brian Wilson? And I'm like, nah. I'm good. And they're like, you sure? I was like, yeah. 
and um, they were like, "Okay, do you want to come back tomorrow night for the, the the show?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." And we forgot we hadn't actually booked anywhere to stay in London. It was in London, oh. and we we waited all like night. It, we're gonna go. Okay, if we can, if we can, if we can find somewhere to stay, we go the next yeah. day. But by eight o'clock in the morning, our flight was like, "Come," on. we're like, "Oh, I'm too fucking I'm tired." Uh, I, I, yeah. I I so regret not, you know, just sleeping on the street to go the next yeah day. yeah seriously yeah. but i kind of really didn't have no i didn't have any um ambition to me brian even i love him like mm-hmm. he, i love the guy but you know if i met brian wilson he'd just go eh. so for me it's kind of like yeah uh, you know there's that kind of thing. not that i expect him to have a full-blown conversation with him but sometimes your heroes are left bet left you know away from you and you can kind of you know, you're not going to go, I'm yeah. Brian Wilson and he didn't give a shit about talking to me, which probably Brian doesn't give a shit about talking to a lot of people. So I was just <laughs> like, you know, I just want to just share. It's the, uh, the emperor's new clothes kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I was just like, you know, well, probably in hindsight, I probably should have, you know, I should have. But you, you live and I, learn. I found too, uh, like going back to Rush for a minute. I have this really cool sweat hoodie sweatshirt that's got uh, Rush on it and everything. And uh it's it's very classy looking it's kind of fun and i wear that when i go to concerts and yeah. it's gotten me backstage to concerts that's handy literally uh like i went and saw do you know who del mccurry is no he's bluegrass oh, cool. here in the u.s literally one microphone five guys you got a guitar two guitars a bass a banjo and a mandolin and they all kind of go back and forth to the microphone ah. they're a true bluegrass band and so Del McCurry was playing with the Preservation Hall Jazz Band from New Orleans. Them. They were, I know do- them. yeah, they were doing a, a show together, and I was in the audience. Went to the sh- loved it. Had my Rush thing on. And one of the guys in the audience was best friends with Del McCurry's son, who's in the band with them. Right. And he said, his Del McCurry's son and I just went and saw Rush in Nashville, and we were going nuts. It was one of the best shows ever. He's like. Just I'm going backstage. Just come with me. He, he yeah. would love to see this sweatshirt. So now I'm now I I'm meeting the Preservation Hall jazz band and wow. Del Curry and his band, and getting autographs. And it was it was great. It was so much fun. That's cool. Yeah, a lot of those guys they're 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 kind of down to earth. They're quite kind of cool. You yeah. Know, when you get to know, I think it, like initially you said once you break that barrier of barrier of you're not like some sort of like lunatic trying to fucking live with them or something like that you know there's yeah. that, that that they chill out then kind of you know people kind of relax and they're at ease yeah i think that's a lot of it you know there's a lot of bands and musicians i believe that put up a wall because they don't know what's coming at them yeah. but you know, getty once said if you're respectful and and you come up and you just want to say thank you for the music i've got a minute for you to say thanks for listening and to sign something for you. Yeah. He said, you know, you, you're cool with me. I can be very cool with you. Yeah. But then there's, there's other times where people have talked about going up to Alex or trying to go up to Neil and, and just being blocked basically because they were just, Oh my God, you're the greatest I've ever seen. Oh, you know? Yeah. I, I think you're right. People who are that good probably don't want to have that. Ex- they just would rather have true interactions with people yeah did you do you remember living through the whole like grunge era what was your what was your take on that yeah uh, it for me it 
it never caught on hugely. I was never, I would have never considered myself a huge grunge follower by, right. by any means. I think that grunge led into some really interesting music and sounds. So, you know, going back to that concept, you know, what did Fuel do and, and some of those other bands, uh, it, it, it opened up a new level of sound that then gave more widespread ability to explore for people. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think it was that kind of, it got so commercialized when you've seen like ads for like 30, but like 30 euro denim jeans and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I I was kind of a kid, you know, I don't remember Kurt Cobain killing himself or any of that. I I was kind of after it, you know, for me, that was kind of like, I was like, whoa, this band Nirvana and he's not alive. And, you know, I think when you're like a kid and you're in the late 90s, it's kind of. It was interesting because it had this. Yeah. Kind of, it had that Beatlesy kind of esque thing. Not that I'm going to compare Nirvana to the Beatles, but it had right. that kind no. of. You know, there was something special about Nirvana. I thought. Yeah, and and I was more like I would go with you know Alice in Chains. Oh, badass! That badass. Sound if guy. I look at a band from there, I would go to Alice in Chains. Would be the band. You know, listening to Wood and Rooster, and yeah. there's just some. Um, incredible songs coming coming out of that yeah I, th- I think the problem with a lot of those bands like i like pearl jam i think pearl jam are an amazing rock band but the, a lot of those bands never grew as 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 their albums went by they do something that was kind of just another take on what they were doing already there was never like this huge flux of growth like there's a huge growth from fly by night <laughs> to hemisphere yeah. you know like that right. like, that there's leaps and leaps and leaps or what pink floyd did or the beatles did or the beach boys did you know and even now bands don't get that you know you can if you don't have a, a hit record you're dropped it's, you're it's game yeah mm-hmm. it's like i was reading the guy i got to know he's he, he's a book on warner brothers it's called sonic boom and you just see the amount of chances bands got you know, that they got and got and got because Warner Brothers believed in them. They, they had this kind of ethos that the music, right. if the music is good, it'll eventually pay dividends and we'll eventually, and they became, Warner became the biggest label in the world up until mid 90s when, you know, whatever stuff got involved. But like the amount of bands, they had the Grateful Dead, they had, uh, you know, like Madonna, the Prince and, you know, they took all chances on these bands and I think, that is a major problem nowadays with if you don't have a hit you're done yeah and i I think you can tell with the music now because it's very it's a derivative isn't it yeah and there were personas in music back then i think uh which we still have them now but boy i wonder could someone like prince start out you see your prince shirt out uh it was could he Could Prince start out today with some of that was really mm. out there, some of the stuff mm. he was doing, you know, and mm. and the fact that he had the ability to go there because he was Prince, right? Or Madonna had the ability to go there because she was Madonna. I suppose Kanye has the way to go there because he's Kanye and you've got yeah. some other people now that are taking that role. But I don't necessarily see that in the rock world, right? I don't know that anyone right now, unless you could think of somebody, has no. has that kind of gravitas, shall we say, in the rock world to yeah. they could really kind of just do whatever they want. Like yeah. what's happening with from going from fly by night and 2112 and caress the steel you know just the ability to do some of those things i I don't know that we'd see that in rock yeah anymore 
The only or bad, the, how do we define rock is the other question. Yeah, I don't even know what rock is anymore. It's like a homogenized you know, kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, if you look at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, <laughs> how do how does uh, you know Madonna get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before Rush gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Politics. <laughs> so is it is it pop rock? Is it rock and roll? Is it or is just if the word rock is somewhere in there, does that count? And believe me, that's nothing against Madonna. She, yeah. There's some amazing stuff that she's done. But if you're looking at it as rock and roll, yeah, where what do we define rock and roll as? And it's it's almost been kind of diluted to just it should just be the music hall of fame is what yeah. it should be called. I think I agree. it should not be called the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. It should just be the music hall of fame. We'll even look at the Grammys. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't watch the Grammys anymore, but I seen uh, just clicking through uh, the old internet, they were showing the best category for rock music. And I was like, none of those songs are rock songs, but like, mm -hmm. they're like mellow pop kind of songs, nothing against them as songs, but like, like yeah. you're saying, if we're going to say something is rock, have rock. It's like Paul McCartney. Let's have rock. Get, yeah. yeah, it's like Paul McCartney getting nominated for the best rap album. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> you know? I'm sure Paul will eventually yeah. do one. You know, you, know, you never know of McCartney. Mm -hmm. But yeah, actually, the only band I could think of that kind of went from grunge. I don't know. Do you know Silverchair? Yeah. Yeah, they they went from being a grunge band to this amazing kind of classical music and and pop music and they did this album called Diorama I don't know if you know it it I is I gotta check it out it is I mean I remember Silverchair when they were kids and that first song came out yeah tomorrow we'll wait till tomorrow oh man Diorama is one of my favourite records of all time it was like okay the guy I'll that, check it out yeah the guy that produced it David Bottrell I had him on the podcast and um mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm showering, showering him with affection. But he, he actually mixed, remixed um, Vapor Trails. Is it Vapor Trails? Yes, because it was recorded on, I think, a tin can and a piece of aluminum foil. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the guy mm -hmm. that did the remix for the record. And he did King yeah. Crimson and he's on Peter Gabriel mm -hmm. and he done all that. And I think that's why Silverchair got him in because of all that stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. it, it just... They go from being this grunge band, well, grunge but rock, yeah. to having all these like crazy key signatures, different types of signatures, elaborate yeah. orchestral pop. I mean, there's a song called Across we'll the Night. Oh man, it's it's phenomenal, especially a song called Writing Acro It Down Right Now. Good man, <laughs> Diorama. For me, that, that that's when I think of there's two albums for me that kind of had a big influence on me when I was a kid, and that's Pet Sounds and Diorama. And they both got, okay. and they're both kind of linked with each other because Van Dyke Parks, the guy who did all the arrangements for mm -hmm. not sorry, did all the lyrics for Smile. He did all these. He did like four songs of arrangements and these crazy Van Dyke Park arrangements. And oh, it's a beautiful record. It is I'm a beautiful record. Definitely, I think I think you'd really like it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There you go. Any any anything else you can think of record wise? That, 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 that uh, yeah, really so if changed. I want, um, you know, if you want to think, I think in terms of an engineering standpoint and just mm. sound, listening to the Boston albums and what Tom Scholz did with his just engineering MIT, yeah. I'm in my basement, screw all of you, I'm not going to do what you want me to do, I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it, because only I can do it the way that I want to do it. <laughs> and I really respect Tom Schultz for that. I know mm. there's a lot of 
there's people who've played with him who are not huge fans of him. Just, I think maybe it's personality wise or anything, but mm. I have some deep respect for those Boston albums and the sound and the, the things that he created yeah. just because it was him in his basement engineering up a new pedal or something like it's that. Mad, for his guitar, you know? Madness. Mm-hmm. They do, they sound great. Those, those records. Like I love the drum sound of yeah. Boston records. They're yeah. just, they've got that bounce to them. You know, another one of those moments actually that I had was uh, I went to see Boston in concert. They were up in Lansing, Michigan. They were playing a festival up there. And there were 10,000 people at this. It was, it was awesome. And I was just waiting by the backstage kind of, it was an open thing. So it wasn't a door, but it was just a gate. Yeah. And there was a guy coming out and he had one of the stickers on and uh i said to him you still using that he said no nah. and he ripped it off and he put it on my shirt cool so i walked i walked backstage <laughs> i walked in there and i i ran into brad delp and i i had a little chat with brad delp about a year before he killed himself oh wow and just told him you know i just thought what an amazing singer he was and happy to still see him out there playing and, and doing any i got his autograph on my t-shirt actually yeah. so that was when i heard a year later he died that just really hit me that he had, he had taken his life you know yeah how unfortunate that is that we've seen so many so many people you know who who i think again many people look up to and think oh what a great life you must have and it must be awesome and oh my gosh and then you see these <sighs> these either you know you're Lane Staley and you're found two weeks later in your in your apartment because uh, you've basically alienated everyone in your life because of all the drug use that you've done and you're alone or yeah you've got Chester or Chris Cornell or you know all yeah they all were these weird guys. those 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 like when I heard that Chester Bennington killed himself and Chris Cornell mm-hmm. I was like Chris Cornell it was just like wow man like the talent that guy had like it's just yeah. unbelievable I mean it's sad when anyone dies I know that we always yeah. have to kind of go he was so talented so we need to give him more attention yeah. but like no. the dude was so talented and and you know you could tell when he sang he, he had conviction he you know he you could feel it. You know, some people you sing, you see, well, some people you see sing on those talent shows. They've got great mm. voices, but I yeah. don't feel it. I just don't feel right. it. It's like this kind of well-rehearsed, amazing voice yeah. that just doesn't, you know, it's not like the Rita Franklin or anything like that, you know, who has this passion in her voice and is a great singer and, you know. Yeah. So. I think the, the first person I remember dying of suicide in, in rock was the lead singer for NXS. Oh, Hutchins. Yes, yes. Michael that, Hutchins. I couldn't remember the name. Yeah. Weird, weird way he died as well, that asphyxiation thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't so know if that's to, deliberate, but, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of those are questionable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think it brings it down to, uh, it doesn't matter what you do in the world. We're all people. <laughs> and, you, and we all have things going on in our heads, no yeah. matter what. Uh, yeah. Whether you're talented or famous or whatever there's there's still people who feel alone in the world even if even if no one else would think they were right yeah you can be in front you can be around thousand people and still feel ridiculously alone absolutely i I think that i think that's what i always think about a lot of rock stars that kind of kill themselves is 
you know, when they are on stage, they have this high. They're like high as yeah. hell, and then they go backstage and they're they're trying to chase that high. So they do drugs, and then that yes. wears off, and then that wears. You know, it, it they're constantly in a in a flux of being high or trying to get high, and I think that can have an emotional effect on their well-being is everything. Because could you imagine playing in front of 20,000 people? And then oh, you, what a rush that's got to be. Oh, it's got to be incredible. And then you get yeah. off and you sit down and you're like, all right, yeah. well, what do I do now? You know, it, Or if you had a problem to begin with and then you get your first record deal and you get this advance and it's like, oh, well, I used to struggle to get drugs. Now I can't. <laughs> you know, um, like the lead singer for Blind Melon dies on their first first tour in the tour yeah. bus from a drug overdose. I love that was a great album. That was. I don't know. That I love love that album. That video. That, blind, that main. That, yeah, video that video was great. Class. But I loved that Blind Melon album, yeah. and it was so unfortunate that yeah. that he passed away because I think they could have really gone. Yeah. And done some great things. Yeah, they could have been like pretty big a lot of those 90s bands I thought could have been a lot bigger than they were I remember like Semisonic I thought they could have been a lot bigger yeah. and you know they had some great songs and yeah what were they one album and they and really one album yeah, one big Closing al- Time and yeah. and then then they broke up after that yeah um, they got back together recently but yeah did they yeah, oh yeah. okay he, I'll just he, check it out he man actually the, the lead singer of that he wrote that song with Adele you know, never mind someone like Oh, me. did he really? Yeah. Okay. So he's he's getting a bit of cash though. I'm sure that's yeah. uh, inflating his his uh his bank bank balance. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's other, you know, bands that probably people, you know, hear me talking about Rush as much as I do and yes and everything and feel, but you know, I could go to a Lisa Loeb concert any day and yeah, just have an amazing time. She can she can finger pick a guitar as good as anybody can. Yeah. Just I I had a front row center. It was literally that far from her, you know, like yeah. just at a show. And that was one amazing night of music. It was her and one other guitar player yeah. and two microphones. And that was and and it was just absolutely incredible to listen to her play. And she would just tell little stories between playing and then she'd yeah. play another song and and what a night, what a night that that was. Wow. And then uh had one of my favorite concerts uh, just for fun concert was a couple of years ago. It was tears for fears oh, and hall and notes. I see tears for fears. And amazing. I love tears for fears. Oh, me too. Man. I me love too. tears for fears. Yeah. Amazing. They were supposed to play on my, plus me on my birthday two years ago, not two years ago. Yeah. What, what? 2018. Yeah. Two years ago. And then something, uh, something, uh, Roland's wife died. And uh, it was like, it got rescheduled. And eventually we got to see them. The tickets were like, and I was just like, man, the same year we got to see Tears for Fears and Aha. And it was just like, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blown, man. Yeah. To, to have now seen Tears for Fears live, to kind of rounded out my bucket list of concerts <laughs> that I wanted to see live. I, I, they, were, they were one of the last bands. Anything else is great to see, but yeah. they were really one of the last bands that I just, before I die, I want to see this band live. They were the last band on the list. That oh, I really I'm wanted to be so with sure you. I'm so with you on that, brother, man. I love Tears of Fears. Completely underrated. Like, completely underrated. Oh, 100% completely underrated. The, yes, the, seeds, the Seeds of Love album, talking about albums that sound phenomenal. That sounds mm-hmm. phenomenal. Like, Woman in Chains yeah. is just like this perfectly mm-hmm. formed 
beautiful. Woman record. in Chains is one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah, it's written, amazing. I think it's amazing. Absolutely one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah, Alita mm-hmm. Adams, like her voice. She's incredible. Oh, man. She's incredible. This is amazing. Yeah. Found if, her in a bar or something singing. Th- that. That song is like, if I'm in a mood, that's the song that's going to be playing on repeat on YouTube for me. And I'm just going to be sitting there like, (laughs) (laughs) and and I don't even care about the lyrics of it. It's just how it sounds. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. That is a, that is, that's like a desert island song for me. That would go onto a desert island playlist yeah i'm I'm with you on that it's just an amazing record me me and my friend we were in i used to date a girl from poland and uh we were he had just gotten a new phone this would have been like 2004 yeah it would have been 2004 and with the phone there was like this deal where there was two tears for fear songs on it from the new record Mm. everybody wants not everybody everybody loves a happy end so they had Mm. call me mellow and i think um 28 days of rain na, 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 na. that song God, I oh, can't take right. it mm-hmm. and uh, I was like I was like we both were listening I was like man who's this like I'd never heard like I'd heard Tears for Fears but you know you'd hear it like on MTV or whatever and you wouldn't mm-hmm. you weren't aware of it and then when I whatever it was when I heard them songs I was like I gotta find out everything about them you know my OCD yeah. I gotta like find every record they've done like that and uh yeah, man, just a great band. Like, like, and I, well, I, I even love Elemental. I think Elemental sounds great. Elemental's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just phenomenal. I could, I could listen to "Break It Down Again." Oh, if I'm in a happy mood, man. "Break It Down Again" is my go go to happy song. So good. all the time. So mm-hmm. good, and even the last song, "Good Night Song." Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just quality, man. Yeah, Tears for Fears, such an underrated band. And the same with I don't know if you like Aha much. Like there, and completely underrated band I know yeah. people know Take On Me but some of, their, on me. some of their records are phenomenal like the, the, for me they're in that same kind of bracket as as Tears for Fears like like they did not want to be famous I know Morton looks like a model but they're like they hated that you know they were like well this is weird which is kind of odd for a guy who was famous and they look good and you know like that Yeah, he did not like that like he he like he collects orchids and stuff like that like he's a, he's an odd guy but an interesting guy and some of their records like stay on these roads man that is just an amazing song they did it a few years ago with an orchestra ah oh, man you'd cry listening to it i'll check that out too yes yeah, stay on these roads just oh my god it's got this lovely kind of yeah man jeez actually another band that i adore and we're speaking of um production for me uh, the if someone said what's the best sounding record or one of the best sounding records is Talk Talk Spirit of Eden that record sounds <laughs> phenomenal do you know that record no I'll, oh, I've, I've heard Talk Talk but yeah. I, I'll have to yeah. go and listen the, to the actual album oh, itself yeah. dude this <laughs> is so good like it war- not Warner Brothers Polydor tried to sue them for it they said this is uncommercial because they came off the heels of these kind of pop ish kind of songs and then they did this record where they made it in pure dark for a year. Mark Hollis loved traffic. So so they blacked out everything, put lava lamps everywhere, and just, they'd get like, like they'd get a jazz player in. They wouldn't tell him the song. They'd go, I play a few notes. And they'd be like, that's fine. And they'd cut up the notes. This is in the 88. Mm-hmm. And they'd run it through like a Mitsubishi tape and they'd like edit things in and everything. And it, oh man, it's just amazing. It starts off with this noise 
at the start, like just this, and then it then it kicks in with this like amazing guitar. Oh man, for yeah. me so that talk talk. What's the name of it? Spirit of Eden. Spirit of Eden. Yeah, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the Revis album is called Places for Breathing. So that's the one. Places for breathing. I will remember. make sure you email me these because I'm terrible. I'm not pain here and like that. <laughs> so what? What else? What? What else? What else can you? What else sticks out for you? Well, uh, there was a lot of jazz oh, in high school. Too, I was in jazz band in high school, and so to listen to some of the great jazz stuff, uh, Earl Klug, who's a great jazz guitar player. Yeah. We played some of his songs. Les Hooper yeah. was uh, a great jazz composer as well. And he actually came and played with our high school band one wow. time. That was really neat. Wow. My cousin, Brian Jacoby, was in a band called the Bob Stone Big Band. Okay. And they have a f- they have two albums out. And those cool. those are incredible to listen to. There's, again, very well produced and recorded, uh, high quality stuff. Mm. Um. So jazz, you know, I could listen to some Ramsey Lewis any day, you know, get getting some of that. Yeah, man, I'm watching uh, that. And I think even when you listen to all those old Blue Note records, like they were recorded in yeah. in a in the guy's uh, bedroom who produced them. I can't think of his name, engineered them. No, really? back to me. Yeah, like his parents' like house. <laughs> like, they just, <laughs> like they just sound phenomenal. It's like we were saying yeah. earlier. That's the thing that's missing nowadays. You know, people, especially when you're recording, you, sometimes you get sent stuff and people will go, it, it'll sound terribly recorded and you mm-hmm. have to go fix it with EQ and stuff like that. And it takes forever. Whereas, you know, like even Elvis records, they, they, they'd go up to the mic and come back from the mic yeah. and all this kind of like, like that. Well, that's the bluegrass influence yeah. right there. Yeah. That's where that is. That's where that came from was yeah. bluegrass because they had one microphone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, it makes you work in a faster way and a better way. And there's this whole thing with productions, like fix it in the mix. And that's just the worst thing you can do. That's the worst idea. Isn't it? Just do it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those jazz records, like dudes, just like a few mics and it sounds phenomenal. Like, you know, they weren't micing up the whole kit. I mean, I suppose you don't have to with jazz, but I mean, those records sound amazing today. Like Blue Note started reissuing all the old records, like the Joe Henderson and um, uh, Horace Silver, and they're all they're all pure analog, mm-hmm. no digital, just purely straight from the analog tape onto the vinyl, and it, they're like cheap. They're like twenty quid. They sound like they're like you could close your eyes and it sounds like they're in the room with you. Yeah, you know that, that's kind of missing with that that like. I love stuff that's overproduced, but then I also love stuff that's not overproduced. <laughs> you know, like there's that kind of fine line sometimes, you know, yeah. yeah that, like if it's superly overproduced, like kind of cock rock, maybe you've lost me at that point, but that's, that stuff's fun for what it is. You know, it's like fun music, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, big, big 80s snares. I'm not a huge fan of. Have you heard of uh, John Bonamosa? Yeah, but I don't. I, or Joe, I, Joe Bonamassa. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've heard of him through like so many people say about guitar playing, and I, but I don't know a lot of his stuff. But everyone's always I see his name all the time. Yeah, amazing, yeah, is Joe it? Joe is he's yeah, great stuff there. Yeah, uh, Eric Johnson was a great show. 
I saw him. He actually opened for Rush one show. So wow. when Clissa Dover came out, it was during the Roll the Bones tour for Rush. So I saw Eric Johnson open up for Rush. Yeah. And at, at a show that was that was really a fun. That's cool, man. Do, do you? Do you... So I'm even thinking of o- opening bands. You know that were fun, uh, like Queensrÿche. I saw. Queensrÿche. Wow. Uh, and uh, Mr. Mister opened for Heart on one of their tours. Who's Mr. Mister? What are they? I don't know. Uh, they did the song like Kyrie Eleison down the oh, road. Okay, okay. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Or oh. Take These Broken Wings. That was their oh, one. I know that one. Take These yeah. Broken Wings. Take these broken wings. <laughs> oh, and learn right. To fly again. That's a pretty yeah. badass song. That's a pretty badass yeah. song. Yeah. Um, that was. Yeah, that was cool. Wow, I seen um, I seen Bowie a few months before he kind of played his last ever gig. He played in mm-hmm. the he played in the uh, up in the point, and the Dandy Warhols opened for him. Do you remember that band, the Dandy Warhols? So that one song I've heard of the yeah, Dandy Warhols. That, I've not seen. Yeah, so that song. Cause I like you and I feel so baby like you. Anyways, when they're playing, like there wasn't that many people there, and it was like in a in a. Maybe ten thousand people you could hold, mm-hmm. ten, eleven, and someone's like, "You suck!" And uh, the guys are like, "Shut up!" So they're like, you know, they start the band, start talking down to people, and then some yeah. other guy goes, "Yeah, you do suck." And I felt so bad for them because it's like, "Oh, oh my god!" I mean, they did suck, but uh, I did, I did feel bad. <laughs> for them. Like, like don't open for David Bowie. You know, there's just yeah. some bands you're like, you know, someone asks you open for David Bowie, you're like, "Nah, mm-hmm. I'm good, man. I'm good." I saw. Um, Corn in oh. a about three thousand seat arena, you know that Savage. was that was some sound coming out of them. Yeah, wow. What, was, what year was that? Or what album? Boy, that was that was probably about eight years ago. Right. Um, it was a place called the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago, which is nicknamed the Aragon Brawl Room <laughs> because <laughs> of all the you know the mosh pits and the fights that happened and everything. But it was fun. Wow, it was fun to see. Corn had some great records. Fall the leader, man, that is a savage record. The first three are pretty killer. First three are pretty killer. Then there's then there's music that reminds me of great times with friends and travel, like Sum Forty One. Right, right, right. uh, You know, just listening to some of those songs when my buddy Chris and I rented an RV in New Zealand and just drove for two weeks, and we just listened to a lot of. (sighs) A lot of that music was yeah. was playing in the background. So seeing them in concert was fun, just as kind of memories of of some of those yeah. those trips and and times. Yeah. My very first concert, my parents took me to was a there's a really cool place outside of Chicago called Ravinia, which it's a beautiful low slope amphitheater and then a lawn, and oh. it's in a really 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 ritzy neighborhood of Chicago, like. I've seen people bring their butlers with them to serve them food on the tables that they set up in the lawn and everything. That's we're talking cashola out here, but uh, little river band was the first band that I went to see there. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're an Australian band. Uh, They they had a song like, have you heard about the lonesome loser? If that sounds familiar. So, that was, uh, I think they were kind of the first big Australian rock band, actually, <laughs> that right. came out. Right. The guy from Crowd of House lives down the road from me. Oh, really? Yeah, the bass player, uh, Nick Seymour. Awesome. 
Yeah, he lives down cool. there. They're a great band, Crowd House, man. They're mm-hmm. an amazing band. Actually, they have a new yeah. song out called To the Island, which is really cool. Of t- to, uh, an Irish couple dancing. It's funny because it's an old Irish couple. Like, they're real. Like yeah. So they're they're yeah. talking to the camera and they're like, you know, we go on holidays and we dance with each other. And it's really sweet because they're like, it just shows That's them cool. they're like in their 80s and they're dancing in this little house in Dublin. And, you know, I, I thought it was really sweet. Like, because... That is really sweet. Yeah, because yeah. the song is like it's. It, it reminded me of like the prisoner. Do you know the TV show The Prisoner? Kind of reminded me of that. Have you never seen? Okay. The, have you ever never seen The Prisoner? I don't think I have. No. Dude, hmm. dude, The Prisoner is like the biggest, craziest mind screw of a show you will ever see. It was set in the sixties. Um, I don't want to waffle on too much to you now, but but it's set in the sixties, and this guy, he is a spy. You know, he was, a, he was a, you, you don't really know. You don't really know. He, okay. You, you kind of get, he was a, you think he's a spy. So he, uh, at the start of it, I'm not giving it away because it's in the title. He, go, he comes back to his house in London and his car has been followed and then all this smoke gets piped into the room and he knocks out and then he wakes up in this village. And uh, the village is a place called Port Murrayan in Wales, which is this amazing place that this guy called Clough Ellis I think I said his name wrong, or maybe right. But um, it's a peninsula in Wales that this guy who was an architect bought and did it up like the way he wanted. So you walk down one place and it's like you're in Italy and then another place is like you're in Venice, all the architecture. Like, it is amazing. Like, I went there mm-hmm. last year, not last year, two years ago, because I love the prison. It's like you're on a... It's, a, it's So it's a real place. Oh, it's a real it's place. A... But when they made the show, no one knew. So you, they don't say where the show is set. It's just called yeah. The Village. And everyone's got a number. So he's like number six. And it's oh, wow. this, yeah, it's, there's only 17 episodes. And, I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, mm-hmm. man, you would love it. it it's, it's, it's one of my favorite shows. It's, uh, it's 1967. And it's all about, you know, the whole thing is there's a number two. Number two is the bad guy. But you never see who number one is. Or maybe you do, or maybe you don't. So it's like... You don't know, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I really can't give away too much of it, but sure. as the show progresses on, the guy who was making it, Patrick McGowan, he kind of lost his mind a bit, and then the show kind of loses his mind a bit. It, it's... Mm-hmm. He only wanted six episodes, and the network like, yeah, we want like 36. They wanted more. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like 17, and and uh, the no. guy is like really conservative in real life. There was, there was a scene where this he was trying to seduce this woman to get information off her and the director's like kiss her and he's like nope I'm married I'm not going to kiss her (laughs) so yeah so he's like really conservative but the show is like the trippiest thing you've ever seen and he created Mm. it so it's Mm. this weird dichotomy of a guy who's very conservative but has the most insane trippy show you've ever seen in your life and because it's the 60s it just works off all that kind of thing sure sure it's sure. it's amazing. It's amazing. Lost kind of ripped it off at the start and that lost its way. But yeah, there's so many things been influenced by. I it. loved Lost at the beginning. Oh, me and too. The last episode, the last episode of Lost, made me regret ever watching <laughs> Lost because I thought it was the uh, might have been the worst ending of a show I'd ever seen. Yeah. Uh, well, Dexter it was really Dexter was up there. Uh, I didn't mind the Dexter ending. Did you not? But Oy. no, I didn't mind the Dexter. Ending. Bringing but it back. The Lost ending was very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of, two two seasons in and with Lost, I was like, I'm out, mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah. You know, it should have been just one season, end it. 
You know, it's not the thing like some of those shows they don't know how to end stuff. Yeah. They want to keep going and keep going and it's like if the Beatles never broke up they'd be just like another rock band releasing records I think, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that that thing of like when you end something people, you know, they're like they're dying to find an attachment more to it and I think it, 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 you almost get longevity out of it. Like imagine Nirvana were still going. Like no one, they wouldn't be as big as they were. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Don't mean that in a derogatory way. That was interesting. Oh, yeah, I always go back to Rush, but that was interesting with how long they lasted. There was yeah. such a cult following to them that even though they'd never had a number one hit or a number one record, they had sellout tours constantly everywhere that they went because people yeah. just, and, and I'm glad that they retired. I'm, you know, I, I'm good on that. You know, just go out. That's what Neil wanted to go out on top. He knew he wasn't going to be able to play anymore. He, he once said in an interview, he said, if I wanted to play like Charlie Watts, I could play the rest of my life doing that, <laughs> but I can't play the rest of my life like Neil Peart. And that wasn't a slam on Charlie Watts. It was just that style of drumming is very different than, you know, than that yeah. style of drumming kind of thing. Yeah. So he was right. Did he, did he, he, did he know he was dying at that stage or did he? Well, it's interesting. Uh, That's what I've always he, wondered. I think he did. Yeah. Personally. Right. Or he knew that something wasn't quite right. Mm. There's a, there's a film out called Masters of Resonance. Okay. And it's it's about Drum Workshop, who makes Neil's drums. Oh. And they feature the last drum kit that Neil used. Oh, wow. And if you watch the interview of Neil in that movie, hmm. I he just doesn't seem to be as on it oh. as he had in, in previous interviews. And I just... I remembered watching that and just feeling something. I wonder if he's just not feeling well that day. Something seemed a little off about Neil in that interview. Right. Uh, and then you find out later he's died. And I, I remembered then thinking, huh, I might have been right in that, that maybe there was Oh. at that point. Yeah, you got to wonder. Yeah, man, I couldn't believe when I heard Neil was dying. That was, not that I know anything of his life. It was just weird. I was like, no, man, Neil Peart can't be dead. You know, there's that kind of thing that you're like, like I remember when Bowie died, I cried. I was like, nah, man, he, mm-hmm. that maybe it's some sort of weird thing that he's doing. You know, it's odd those people who you've, you don't know them as people, but you know yeah. them within your own way of knowing them through their music and stuff like that. The beauty when he died was the tributes. I mean, just yeah. to see arenas all over the country were on their marquees had rest in peace, Neil Peart, you know, anywhere Rush had played a concert. They were, he was up on New York, uh, Madison Square Garden had it, every, everything. Just, yeah. it was really cool to see all the respect that he got yeah. when, when he passed. That was, that was yeah, man. How much, do you have much time? I, I'm not sure. I'm, I could talk forever. Oh, yeah, I'm not... you know what? I uh, uh, just a little bit more, but I wanted to bring up one other band. Just, actually. just to tell me if I, if I'm blabbering on too much, man, because I no, could no, talk no. for hours. So, <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording. Great Big C out of Canada. Great Big being C, yes. Another just amazing band, and for those of you who may be listening in Ireland, if you want to hear a Canadian version <laughs> of Irish Celtic rock, check out Great Big C. Those guys were absolutely awesome and what what a again just a fun concert everybody just kind of goofing around and dancing around and everything having a blast it was uh it was some amazing shows that those those dudes put on are they still really, going really cool. are they still going 
they broke up as a band. I mean, individually, I think they're doing some things, but they're not really together as a band anymore, unfortunately. It's uh, too bad. I, mean, yeah. I wish that they were. But. Yeah. It, it was so. Do you, do you, do you collect records too? Buy records? Yeah. I, I still get records. Yeah. I have a, CD, a nice little collection of, of stuff. And, uh, I still like to listen to that as much as I can. You know, you know, YouTube's great for things, but it's compressed and yeah. you just don't get the full range of, of everything uh, unless you've got a really, really great set of headphones that you can, you know, we'll, we'll kind of work on that. But yeah. uh, I really prefer to try to get some actual recordings and listen to those if at all possible. Yeah. Is it vinyl or CD or both? I've got all, I've got, I've got a vinyl, I've got a CD player. I I still have a cassette player. From, wow. I have, I have crates of cassettes. Really? I still, yeah, ab absolutely. Crates of cassettes, you know, like all the sting and police albums on cassette that I have. And uh, yeah, just so much. Night Ranger, going back to them, they're all on cassette. <laughs> uh, all these different bands that I have that were just oh. all, all cassettes. I was actually listening to Synchronicity this morning. What a great record but that is. That's a great album. Oh, that's man. Synchronicity, too, is one of my another just favorite songs. Yeah. There's just Hello. such great sound coming out of that song. So before we go, if you mm -hmm. get five records, it doesn't have to be in order. Give it to five me. Five records. Give it to me. That I could, that those would be my five records? Yeah, I'm sure you could interchange mm -hmm. with some other five records. But off the top of your head, five records that you kind of think of first. You go, okay, these are five records I could think of. Huh, wow, that's... Uh, ridiculously hard. That's a tall order, but... I'm sorry. All right. Um, a rush is way up there, obviously. You know, right. Exit Stage Left is, is just a great album of a retrospect of all the early rush stuff so yeah. i'd probably go with that one because you've got you know everything moving pictures all the way back so that's that's just a great retrospective of their original stuff yeah uh, so that would be there i would go with the uh, places for breathing by revis that would be that would be in there gotta check that out uh, now uh, the the first fuel album would would be in there for me this is tough. Heart's greatest hits probably oh, goes in there. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd probably pick some greatest hits albums. You would, know, you? would would have to be yeah, uh, but that would go there. And boy, one last one, huh? Just a tough one. Wow. All right, give me give me just a moment. Um, Joe Jackson live might have to be in there too. Uh, uh, Cool. He, but gosh, there's got to be one honorable mention, which would also be uh, listening to Aretha Frank or not uh, Ella Fitzgerald sings Cole Porter. Amazing. That that live two disc is is right there as well too for me. I could listen to Ella sing Cole Porter tunes all day. What a voice! It would just be yeah, yeah. What it was great. What a voice, man. Yeah, it's and and a more modern voice of Ella Shaka Khan also oh, has dude. just she could she could kill it kill it yeah you know, I might even have to say you know if if I pulled out uh, one of those albums from there I'd replace it with uh, 
with uh, probably a Shaka Khan album too, because she can, she can just sing. Now, um, you know her song "Ain't Nobody." Yeah, uh, Shaka Khan. Yeah, listen to there's a there's a woman out of Australia. Her name's Jasmine Thomas, I believe it is. Okay. She does an acoustic cover of "Ain't Nobody" right. that will knock you off your chair it is one of the most beautiful songs and it's it's a total redo of of the way shaka khan does i like that to listen to that is is amazing and i'll end yeah i guess i'll end with this that's what i'm really listening to more now than anything uh is retakes on things like listening to um people singing aha take on me yeah but in a different version of it oh. or someone taking tears for fears mad world and slowing it down like listen to pentatonics sing mad world by tears for yeah. fears or this band out of russia that i love called leonid and friends who is doing chicago songs and sounds better than chicago does <laughs> these now doing yeah. chicago songs uh so it's been really fun and i think that as much as maybe people don't necessarily like some of those poppy shows, you know, idols and voices, it is interesting to listen to new interpretations yeah. of songs. Like even hearing Drive Time do um, Cindy Lauper's uh, a retake on Time After Time, it's an incredible version. Or when Disturbed does, Sound of silence. Uh, you know, Hello Darkness. Sound of Silence. Yeah, just amazing. So I really enjoy now listening to people do versions of songs. Uh, um, my favorite version. There's even a sorry. Go I was saying, there's even a Portu- Portuguese version of the Blower's Daughter. Oh wow! Is killer. It's right. I can't understand a damn word of it, and it's amazing. It's just oh, amazing. Cool. Actually, <laughs> the, the my favorite version of Time After Time is Miles Davis's version. It's a lovely version he did of that. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. it's very, mm-hmm. can't beat it. Can't beat Miles, man. Come on, Miles. Right, well, Miles was amazing. Yeah. Such a dude, mm-hmm. man. Anyway, I love doing this. I'm sh- we could have talked for hours, man. And like, oh, we've, I can talk we've, about music. We've got <laughs> we've got through a tinchy bit of what we could have got through. We have to do this again. That should be a part two, man. Yeah. We should like. Do- well, let's let's. Uh... Uh, let's email each other a little playlist we can attach to this. We'll we'll encourage everyone to listen to some of the like tunes it. we've discussed, and I'd love to hear people's opinions of of some of them and see what they think. That's so. a good idea, man. I like that. I like that. All right, right, my man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sorry for taking up so much of your time. Jesus, man. I'm a, Anytime. I'm blabber happy, music. Happy times in Ireland over there, my friend. Yeah, happy times. yeah. Sunny, sunny days here now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> as always, right? Yeah. Right, brother. Thank you so much. We'll be in good touch. To see you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.